0: Well, good morning, Life Church, Utah. Good one good, good morning. Where'd that come from? That was beautiful. <laughs> good morning, Life Church, Utah. All right, it is uh, really great to have uh, each one of you with us. How many of you, uh, 2021, started out okay? Mm-hmm. No new pandemic, so we're very excited about that. That's a, that's a, that's a positive uh, for us this year. But it really is uh, fantastic to have you with us. I, I do uh, just want to recognize really quickly, I know at the beginning of every year... Uh, there are those who make determinations uh, in various areas of your life, uh, you know, physically. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train and run, you know, or I'm going to you know, run and train for a marathon this year, and this is the year I'm going to, or I'm going to lose a bunch of weight this year, whatever it is. I know that along those lines, there are times when we make decisions uh, when it comes to our spiritual life as well. And I just want to acknowledge those of you uh, that are here for the first time, or maybe you're watching us online for the very first time, uh, because you have said, you know, I'm going to to get things right with God this year. And so you're starting off on the right foot. And I just want to say welcome uh, to Life Church Utah. If you choose to be a part of our family, I can't wait to have you continue to grow and to serve the Lord alongside of some fantastic people uh, that are already serving. But welcome to Life Church Utah and those online as well. Welcome. It uh, really is our privilege to have you with us and helping you in these first couple of days of 2021. So uh, did any of you make resolutions for 2021? Anybody? Nope, nobody did. That's right. <laughs> good. You're like, yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> yeah, use. Yeah, just use last year's. That's a, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> All right. Um, before I get started this morning in our new series, I just want to. Um, uh, you know, th- there are times when, as your pastor. Uh, that God challenges me uh, very personally, and last night was one of those moments. I was uh, here just kind of walking around praying for the service and uh, just last-minute preparations uh, for, for this morning, and I was uh, right down, actually sitting right here. And uh, a song came on by Maverick, uh, Maverick City, I think is the name of it. Great, great worship team if you ever want to uh, look that up sometime, Maverick City. And uh, one of their songs came on and, and uh, I, just, I just was sitting here in a moment where God was really challenging me because uh, the, the word or the line, I'm going to totally butcher it, and, I, and forgive me, Maverick City, if you're <laughs> happy to be watching that, I'm going to totally butcher it. Uh, but the basic idea of the song or one of the parts of it was that God was proud of you. God was proud of me. That was kind of the, the message here. God is proud of you. And it's kind of being sung in such a way as that those who are listening to it, it's kind of like a message from God to you that God is proud of you. And I, I just sat here for a moment, and I, I could not receive that. It's kind of a weird sort of thing to admit as your pastor, but I was just like, Lord, are you really proud of me? God, are you, are you this seems really heavy right now, I apologize. <laughs> like, God, are you, are you really proud of me? God, when you look at my heart, Lord, you, you look at my intentions, you look at my selfishness, God, you, you look at my life, God, are you really proud? Proud of me, and I just sat there and I couldn't receive it for a little bit. As time went on, just praying some more and all of that, I realized, uh, you know what? God loves you fiercely. God loves every one of you in an incredible way, and He is proud of you as His children. And I sat here and I wept for a little while. Oh my like, God! I just I, I'm struggling receiving that right now in my own life. But, uh, but I've got to tell you, however you came in, however you walked into this uh, auditorium this morning, if you're watching online as well, God loves you. How do we know he loves you? Because he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ to die for you in your place, right? And he takes our sins and, and and washes them away from us. As far as the east is from the west, he puts them away. He forgives us. He loves us. And he is so proud of you, especially you're here this morning. You're watching online. God is proud of you. And I just I just want to encourage you with that. Uh, it was super encouraging for me in a moment. It took me a bit to get over it. Uh, there's just those moments where you, you feel unworthy. You ever feel unworthy? <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one here that ever feels unworthy. You feel unworthy. But in those moments, I think God. God comes in through a power of his spirit and says, Rich, I've got you. I love you. He does the same uh, for you as well. So anyway, throw that in uh, for free at the beginning of the message. It's not part of the message, so it doesn't count against my time. So this is very good. All right. Uh, Turn your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 1. And if you have a smart device, you can go on there, uh, you know, Bible Gateway, the Bible app, a bunch of other places you could go, Blue Letter Bible, wherever you want to find. But head there uh, and get on your smart device. Mark chapter 1. Jesus. There is no one like him. There is truly no one like Jesus. Um and I want to be like him. Uh, one of our one of our kind of our core statements here at Life Church Utah is God has called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. And if we're going to be more like Jesus, we need to know what Jesus is like. And so uh, we're going to start off 2021 by figuring out what this Jesus is actually all about. And so we're going to be going through the book of Mark, uh, basically from now, and it's going to take us all the way to Easter, folks. And you might think that's a long time for a series. It is, but I've got, um, I've got some like acquaintances, ministry acquaintances. Uh, this one guy was in the book of Matthew, for over three and a half years. All right. So we're not going to be three and a half years in the book of Mark. We're just going to be about four months uh, in the book of Mark. But I think it's important for us. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to know what Jesus is like and who he is like and how does he respond under pressure? How many of you are facing pressures in your life, right? And we need to know how Jesus responds in pressure. We need to understand how Jesus cultivates relationships and how does he deal with family? Uh, How many of you have difficult family? how many of that difficult family is right here with you today? <laughs> All right. Anyway, we won't do that. <laughs> All right. And so sometimes in the church though, uh, because we're, we, especially those who've been around a long time, uh, we can have a tendency to make some assumptions about Jesus. We assume that he has said certain things that he never actually said. Right? We assume that he's going to respond in certain ways that uh, maybe as we discover who he is in the book of Mark, we realize, oh, Jesus doesn't respond that way. And so we need to get to the bottom of who this Jesus is. Now, as we go through the book of Mark, um, we're going to just hit the surface. I wish we could spend three and a half years. We're going to be hitting the surface. So this week, we're going to be going through Mark chapter one. Next week, we're going through Mark chapter two. All right, the following week, we're going to go through Mark 3. Okay, so it's really going to be a pretty simple uh, structure for the series as we lead up to it, and that's really going to hold true for about uh, the first 10 or 11 weeks uh, that we go through this, and then we get to Easter, Palm Sunday, and things like that. But one of the biggest questions I think that we have when you start finding out more about Jesus and a relationship with God, uh, especially as you start reading the Bible, which is absolutely uh, one of our core values as well, right? Uh, uh, This this idea of a fierce commitment to biblical truth. Um, When you look at the New Testament, what you see at the beginning of the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have these four books that were written uh, that are all stories about Jesus, Why in the world are there four stories about Jesus? Why couldn't, it be a lot easier if there was just one story about Jesus, right? But but God, for whatever reason, chose to have four different stories about Jesus. Why did he do that? Well, I think the easiest way for us to understand this is that the four different stories of Jesus uh, were all written to different audiences, and then they were compiled together for us in our New Testament. Uh, For example, the book of Matthew was written to a Jewish audience primarily. It's not to say if you're not Jewish that you won't get anything out of it, right? Uh, But it was written primarily to a Jewish audience. And so while you are reading the book of Matthew, understand that the people that were uh, reading this the first time or maybe having it read to them were probably a group of Jewish people that were trying to figure out is Jesus the Messiah, is Jesus the chosen one that we should expect uh, that's going to lead the nation of Israel into wholeness and, and into new life? And so the, that's the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke was actually written to a Greek audience. Now, the Greek audience would have been uh, one of the broadest audiences in there. uh, Everybody spoke Greek along with Latin at the time, but everybody spoke Greek. It was kind of the universal language. And so uh, the story of Jesus would be now in the common tongue there for the people. And so Luke writes uh, to a Greek audience. Then you've got the book of John. The book of John is written probably to the broadest audience of all that, you know, Jews and Greeks and part of the Roman culture um, was written to everyone, so to speak. And most scholars say it was uh, kind of the broadest audience uh, possible. And I love it in the book of John. And the reason why the book of John is so important is that John himself writes in the book of John. He says, I write this so that you will believe. So the way he structures it, the way that he writes out the story of Jesus is such a way as the purpose of it is so that you will believe. And that's why we always encourage people, if you're brand new to faith, we always tell people, go to the book of John, go to the book of John, start there. It's going to be the best place for you to start. And then we get to Mark. Mark. Now, Mark is the oldest of the Gospels that was written. Most scholars believe it was the first one written, probably around 50 AD, maybe 55 AD, somewhere in there. And uh, the other Gospels, uh, especially Matthew and Luke, take a lot of cues from the way that Mark is written. They don't copy much of the same information, but some of the structure and some of the layout would be very similar. And uh, as Mark is writing, he has in mind a very, very specific audience. And this audience is the Roman culture. So Mark writes it to, a, to the Roman people. And the Roman people were the people that were in power and authority at the time that Mark writes it. And so these are the people who are uh, politically minded. These are the people that speak the language of power. These are the people that speak the language of of influence. Uh, These are the ones who are the the, the deciders. They're the ones who are the decision-making people for the culture. They're the ones who are in power and ascendancy. And Mark writes to them. So as he is writing it, he's writing for a very specific purpose of appealing to this group of people. And so the way he writes reflects this because he is all about action. He gets to the heart of the story very, very quickly. And then as soon as he's done with it, boom, he gets in, he gets out, he moves on to the next story. How many of you like, are, are, are kind of like that? When, when somebody's telling you a story, you're like, hey, just give me the, 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 the bottom line of the story. That's all I want. Tell me what I need to know. Make a decision and move on. How many of you are like that? All right, good, hallelujah. So he's like, hallelujah, that's how I am. How many of you need more detail? You need kind of the emotion of the moment. You need, you know, you kind of need those kind of things to make you feel, fall into it. All right, anybody, anybody raise your hand again real quick. All right, I'm with you on that. That's kind of my language. My wife, however, she's on that side of just tell me the bottom line, honey, that's all I need to know. And I'm like, but sweetie, here's what the rest of the story is and, and all that stuff. And she's like, just tell me the bottom line. We're kind of opposite, you know, oftentimes in marriage, typically it would be uh, the wife who's the one that wants to details. In this case, that's what I want. I want the details. I want the emotion. I want to cry, right? That's kind of my thing. <laughs> All right. And uh, so Marcus, he's writing, this is, this is kind of his bent. This is what he wants to do in the story. So his gospel is filled with action. His gospel shows Jesus filled with power and authority, Now we understand it's a different kind of power and authority, and this is what drove the Roman culture nuts. This is why they rejected Jesus in a lot of ways. This is because Jesus didn't come the way that they expected a Messiah to come, somebody who was in power. Um, So again, as as, uh, Mark is writing this, A couple of words that you need to to hear from the book of Mark, and I'm going to come back to this in just a moment, but one of the words that Mark uses more than any other gospel writer, anybody else in the New Testament, one word that he uses more than any other is the word immediately. It appears about 40 times in the gospel of Mark and about 60 times total in the New Testament right so he has he this is his phrase immediately and you see it over and over and over again because he wants to show god as a god of action And so Mark starts the story of Jesus and he jumps right in. He doesn't give any of the preambles like in uh, uh, Matthew and Luke. There's kind of the story before the story, you know, uh, talking about the birth of Jesus and the angels appearing and all that stuff. Mark doesn't do that. He starts off with the phrase, in the beginning, or this is the beginning. That's, That's how he starts it off. It's kind of an echo back to the book of Genesis. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment as well. So he starts off with, this is the beginning, and this is the start of all things. And where Mark starts is with a guy by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, uh, more than likely, and just, a f- just about six months or so older uh, than Jesus. And John the Baptist starts off this story, and Mark jumps right in, telling about the things that John was saying about Jesus, that Jesus was going to come, and, and uh, he was going to baptize with more than water. He was going to baptize in the Holy Spirit, and not only with water. And then uh, Mark continues to write a little bit. This is in the beginning, uh, beginning portion of the book of Mark. Uh, John is, uh, Jesus is baptized by John. The spirit descends on Jesus. A voice from heaven proclaims that uh, you are my one dear son In you I take great delight. This is really an early reference and really one of the earliest pictures of what we in the church uh, would say reveals God as Trinity. now uh, let me just this is one of those concepts that can be hard for us to grasp uh, because we have feeble human minds and uh, but but here's here's the idea that we believe that God is one God, right? I mean, this is you know revealed throughout scripture that there is one God. we don't serve multiple gods. It's not polytheistic. and yet somehow some way God reveals himself as three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we can't fully grasp it, and people have spent centuries, right, in, in writing about this, and decades, in writing books and books and books about this, trying to understand the concept, but it really is kind of beyond us in a lot of ways. And so we look at moments like this in the book of Mark, where you have the Father proclaiming over his Son certain words that are spoken, and the Spirit of God is descending Upon Jesus. And so you have all three uh, in, in perfect, beautiful relationship, revealing God to the people of Israel at the time. And, and really, this is almost a picture back at Genesis. When you have God there, right, it's, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and so you have God there. Also, you have God speaking and you also have the spirit hovering over the waters. So it's almost like Mark is referring back to this saying, hey, creation happened uh, back then, but let me tell you about a new creation that is beginning with this story as God is coming down in the flesh to dwell with his people. So Jesus is baptized by John, and then very bluntly, Mark is writing, he says that John is put into prison, and John being put into prison is really the start of Jesus' public ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it says, now after John was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. He said, and now this is the first Uh, Recorded words of Jesus. This is what he says, and this is the story that Jesus is going to be telling. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. This is Jesus preaching. These are his words that he's speaking out. Another thing to keep in mind as you are um, as you're thinking about the book of Mark is that uh, most scholars believe that Mark is taking cues from a guy by the name of Peter. We're going to be introduced to him in just a minute. Peter, this great character in the Bible uh, that Mark probably heard a lot from. In fact, some believe that the book of Mark is actually a collection of the stories that Peter told about Jesus in the messages that Peter would speak, which is kind of cool when you think about it. These are the things that Peter would talk about when he would tell people about Jesus. Oh, there's this one story. Let me tell you about what I saw Jesus do with my own eyes. And then Mark would write those things down. And so it's really kind of a cool picture of this. But this is Jesus' first story that he tells. And this is that the, uh, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent. Man, that's a really tough word. It's a word that uh, we don't like to talk about too often because uh, it presumes that we've done something wrong or that we're not as good as we think we are, right? And so this idea of repentance is very simply a change of heart. And Jesus, from the very first words that he's speaking, he wants to deal with the unwilling heart that we have to follow after this God who's given everything. And so he says, we must repent of our unwilling heart to turn it to become a willing heart. So very simply, it's this change of heart. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verse 10. These, this is uh, what Paul, who's a, a later leader of the early church, uh, what he wrote to a church in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, pain handled in God's way. Some other uh, verses talk about uh, uh, sorrow handled in God's way. So pain handled in God's way produces a turning from sin And really, a turning to God, which leads to salvation. And there's nothing to regret in that. But pain handled in the world's way produces only death. Think about how the world has handled pain in this last year. How's the world handled sorrow? In a lot of ways, it's been to lash out. In a lot of ways, it's been to try to produce pain in other people, right? In, in, in some sort of weird ways uh, that has been, uh, you know, we've seen it uh, kind of operate on the streets. We've seen it operate uh, through hearts, things on, uh, online. We've seen that, that that pain has produced pain in others that want to push pain off on other people. But what God is saying here that the best thing we can do when we are facing pain, when we're facing sorrow ourselves, is that we turn to God. This is called repentance. This is when we don't have it all together. This is that that idea that it's not all okay with me because I recognize that I am turning away from God rather than towards him. And so repentance is turning away from sin and turning to God. This is the core of Jesus' message. But this is what makes it uncomfortable. If we acknowledge it, it means we are the ones who have to change. We're the ones that need a change of mind. We're the ones that need a change of heart. We're the ones that need a change of direction. And so God unashamedly asks us to turn. Why does he ask us to turn? Because the kingdom of God is near. If the kingdom of God is near, when Jesus was originally speaking this, how much nearer or how much more at hand is the kingdom of God now, nearly 2,000 years later? And this is important for us because as Colossians says, also written by, uh, by Paul, he says that he or God has rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And this happens through repentance because repentance, right, that, that godly sorrow that leads to repentance results in our salvation, going from one kingdom to another kingdom. He sets us free through the son and forgave our sins that's what happens when we repent. And this needs to be a lifestyle for us. It's not a one and done. That's not what what repentance is. Repentance is a lifestyle of humility. It's a lifestyle of recognition that God is over us. God is over all of us. And we willingly give to him every bit of our lives. This might seem a little bit heavy, right, for the, for the first message of the year, but I believe that this is where we need to be as a people of God and to recognize, God, we don't have this. God, we haven't figured all of this out, thus <laughs> the last nine months of our lives, right? God, we haven't figured out how to, how to make sense of this world outside of you. And so, God, we repent. We turn ourselves to you because you had grace on us. Um. And so these are kind of the first things that, uh, that Mark writes about Jesus, right? that, that first message. And then he immediately goes to another scene, right? I mean, that, that whole thing, it's moving from one thing to another. So right after this, Mark keeps the action going to a familiar story for us. And it's really our primary one uh, for this morning that we're going to hit in the next 15 minutes here. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. And if you uh, maybe kind of put ourselves in that position where, where you're on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and maybe you can hear the, the boats lapping in the water, and you can hear kind of the sounds of the, uh, um, of the town that's nearby and the fishermen there. It says, as he, as Jesus went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Peter, and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. They left their nets, and remember that word, immediately. They left their nets immediately and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in their boats, mending nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Twice in the short passage, you hear the word immediately. Action, right? Authority. Making it I mean, just the, this, this idea that God is on the move. As I've always read this passage, I've, I've been amazed by it for a couple of reasons. Uh, the, the, really, the first one is, it seems strange for us, right, that, that Jesus would just be walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, sees two people he'd never met before. Hey, guys, come on. Come on, follow me. And he sees two more. Come on, guys, uh, follow me a little bit. Uh, one thing we've got to keep in mind, especially in the book of Mark and really the other Gospels, is as it's written, it's not necessarily written in cr- uh, strict chronological order. Th- there are things that happen uh, for the purpose of writing it uh, that might not put them in all chronological order. And remember, Mark starts very abruptly. If you read the other Gospels, you find out that there was probably ample opportunity for Jesus, who traveled in the area prior to this, uh, to get to know a little bit about Peter and Andrew and James and John and knew a little bit about their families. And so there was a story behind the story that happened. But nonetheless, this idea of immediately shows up, that immediately they stopped what they were doing and followed Jesus. and I love how Jesus talks specifically to, uh, to Peter and Andrew. He says, uh, guys, uh, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. I love this. So Jesus speaks to our passions. And when Jesus spoke to Peter and Andrew, he spoke their language. He spoke the language of fishermen. Uh, think right now, Deadliest Catch. You ever watch the show, Deadliest Catch? That's who Peter and Andrew and James and John were, <laughs> right? A little salty, maybe. <laughs> have some issues going on there in their families, right? So this is uh, this is potentially these guys, rough and tumble kind of guys, um, and Jesus speaks to their passions. Their passion was fishing. How many uh, fisher men or women do we have here today? Keep those hands raised, real quick. Look around. We're going to start a fishing group. And no, not really. All uh, right. So there's a lot of you that are fishermen. I am not a fisherman. I get bored in about 10 minutes. I'm like, many, anybody with me on getting bored fishing? Yeah, oh, look at all the hands. Yes, praise God, I can't fish. All right, okay. You know, so I'm gonna describe fishing in very, very poor terms because I am not a fisherman, right? And so, so this idea of fishing was passionate for, um, for James and John and for Peter and Andrew. This is what they did. They were passionate about it. And Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And I love this because uh, fishermen, they they understand uh, the times and the seasons. They understand where to find fish, right? Like like they know that the fish kind of hide under the the undercut, under the bank, uh, under there, right? I'm I'm speaking something I have no idea, but I've heard it. I've watched a documentary. (laughs) Okay, so I'm an expert, all right? So, you know, like under the edge, under the undercut, under the river, that's where the big fish are going to hide. And so the fishermen, they know that. And so they, they, they take out their fishing pole and they have the bobber right on the end of that thing. If you fish with the bobber still or the lure, well, I, don't know, I have no idea what it is. You fish with something. Right? Okay, and so, so they put it out there. And for the fly fishermen, I, I learned how to fly fish. It took me about 15 minutes. I was an expert and then I gave it up. It was great. And uh, you know, so, you know, a lifetime to get it. And they know the currents, they can read the times, they know the best time to go out, they know they can catch this kind of fish in the morning, this kind of fish in the evening. They know where to find those fish. They can and look at the water and know where they are. And Jesus was speaking to this passion within Peter and Andrew. He says, guys, I need you on my team because I'm gonna teach you something you already know and are passionate about. Peter and Andrew, you need to know people. You need to know the seasons. You need to know where they are. You need to know where in culture they are and, and how to respond to them in those moments because you're already fishing. You already know how to, how to see those things that other people miss. And I'm calling you to take this same passion and now it's gonna be fishing for people. Use this. It's like God is redeeming that passion that Peter and Andrew had now for the kingdom of God. What is your passion think about that for a moment. What is it that just kind of drives you? Maybe it is fishing, and that's fantastic. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's old cars. And so you, you like going to... Anybody like old cars? right? Okay, good. And uh, so you, you go to car shows, and if you go to car shows, it is a whole subculture of our world that live in car shows. They have a whole language of their own and I've got an old Bronco and I've taken it to a couple of car shows and I'm all excited. I pull up and I park my Bronco. Somebody comes over me that speaks car show and I don't know that language <laughs> and I'm uncomfortable and I'm, I'm confused but there's somebody that I know I actually attends another church in the valley. He speaks car show <laughs> and he uses the fact that he is able to speak car show to become fishers of people. And he speaks that language and invites them into church, into relationship with God. Maybe it's uh, you love doing crafts and you know how to craft. You're a crafty individual and you make cards, right? There's a whole other language of that world that that speaks craft. (laughs) My wife enjoys doing that. She speaks craft. I don't. She just says, punch this out. And I punch things out. That's my whole job as a husband is I punch things out, (laughs) right? Okay. But she speaks that language. It's a whole language that I would never be able to reach. But those that are crafty, those that, that do that, uh, you speak that language. Why not let God take that passion and redeem it? Be able to reach people for Jesus. Um, maybe it's hiking. How many of you like to hike? Right? Are you part of like YouTube, YouTube? Are you part of Facebook groups? Right? I mean, some of you are part of Facebook groups. Why not, why not use that avenue to speak the language of hiking and to, and to know the seasons and to know what's going on, to be able to say, I'm going to be fishers of people with this passion that God has given me. Maybe it's fashion, cosmetology. If you're on YouTube at all, man, there is a whole lot of makeup going on on YouTube. Not that I watch those. And uh, right Flying is flying your passion. (laughs) Do you work with your hands? Are you a doctor? Are you a lawyer? Are you an accountant? Are you fascinated by numbers? How can God take the passion that you have and turn it to become fisher of people? Let God do this. Let God redeem this in you. So I think Peter and Andrew, when they heard Jesus speaking that language the language of fishermen saying, I'm going to release you, hold on to this passion, I'm going to release you differently. I think they said, yeah, it's time. We're with you, Jesus. We're going to follow after you. And I think James and John were the same way. So Jesus speaks to our passions. The second thing that happens in here, and we've already talked a little bit about this, but Jesus also reveals an urgency to his call to follow him. He reveals an urgency to these men who are the initial ones who are following after him. When Mark is writing this gospel, this word that he uses more than any others, I've already told you about it, this word immediately shows up in this call that God is giving through Jesus to the people he's calling. It says that Jesus immediately called James and John Right? And then they responded. And it also says of Andrew and Peter that they immediately responded to the call that Jesus gave. As I've become more mature in my Christian faith, I don't respond as immediately as I used to. But I'm just being totally honest with you. There's times when now wisdom would say I need to, to wait a little bit to respond to God. To just to make sure I'm not being foolhardy in this re- response to God. Do you think Andrew and Peter knew exactly what they were doing when they responded to Jesus' call? No, I'm not saying be foolish, right? I, I'm not saying just go willy-nilly and, you know, okay, you understand what I'm, what I'm saying here in the big picture. But sometimes we can become really spiritual and not respond immediately to God. We say, God, I'm just gonna pray about that a little bit longer. God, are you really saying this to me? When God is asking us to respond to him because he's a God that's on the move. He's a God that's ready in action as as Mark is revealing him. He's like, all right, respond. This is the thing. This is the call that's being given out to you. See this passion redeemed. Now let's move. Let's go on. Let's, Let's take it to the next level. And we need to be able to respond to him I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet here as we uh, close out. This response, That uh, this identity to or this decision to identify with Jesus, to follow after him immediately, it's really described as an attachment to the person of Jesus it's a personal surrender to his summons and acceptance of his leadership, that's what it means to follow after Jesus, to say Jesus I I receive you in my life, I'm I'm choosing to identify with you so that you can lead me that I can follow Is 2021 going to be the year that we say, God, we're immediately following you? God, we're immediately going to respond to your call in our lives. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment here. Um, This morning, first off, uh, there are those of you who are here this morning, and you've got a passion, and you've never thought about it in terms that God can use it. It might not be the job that you're currently doing, right? Sometimes our passion is not our job. Sometimes our job is just a job but there's a passion in your heart. And you would say, God, I'm willing for you to take this passion and for you to use it for your kingdom. That God, somehow you can turn this and redeem this uh, because God, you put a passion in my heart and there are people that I know I can influence. God, I don't understand it. I can't figure it all out. But Lord, I want you to take this passion of mine just like uh, Andrew and, and Peter. God, take this passion of mine, redeem it and turn it so that I can become a fisher of people to let them know about this kingdom of God that is transformative. If that's you, you can say, I've got a passion and I just want Jesus to take this thing and to use it. If that's you this morning, can you just lift your hand uh, really quickly? Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands around. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I believe, I really believe that God is going to do something dramatic in your life. So God, we pray that you would work supernaturally through each and one of these who've raised their hands. God, they're willing to believe just enough, Lord, that you're going to take this passion that they have and God, you can use it. God, they give you control over it. Lord, they, they ask for you to receive it as offering to you, God, as worship to you. And God, just like uh, Andrew and Peter, God, they grew up fishing. Lord, they understood uh, how to find where the fish were. And so, God, they become fishers of men. Lord, let it be with our passions, Lord, that you redeem them and help us to use them for your kingdom and for your glory. Because, God, the kingdom of God is at hand. And, Lord, we are turning away from the way we were and giving it to you, Lord. And then secondly is this idea of repentance. You can put your hands down now. Thank you. The second thing is this idea of repentance. This immediate turning away from sin and turning toward God. Remember, this is is that message from the beginning of Jesus. The first words out of his mouth were, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. (laughs) Repent. Repent. Perhaps this repentance is a first time thing that you've never given your heart over to Jesus. you've never given your life, you've never had been, been in a position of a willing heart presented to Jesus like we see pictured in Andrew and Peter and James and John who immediately responded. Maybe it's a first time or maybe this is uh, you've been a part of the church for a long time. And there are things in your life that you know you need to repent of the little sins you've grown accustomed to that don't seem as big as they used to, little things you allow in your life now that, you know, five, 10 years ago you would have never allowed, but you've justified them over time. And you'd say, Jesus, help me to get these things out of my life. Help me to repent, to turn away from these things and to turn towards you. And online as well, you're able to respond. If if that's you and you'd say, there are things in my life I need to repent of and I need to do it immediately, If that's you, can you lift your hands uh, to the Lord at this time? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. 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 Lots of hands up. Father, uh, we recognize that we're a needy people. And God, we need to repent. And God, just like your son Jesus at the very first words out of his mouth, uh, Lord, that the, the kingdom of God is at hand. Lord, the kingdom of God is near. And because of that, we need to repent. And so, God, we confess to you our sins. We confess to you, God, that we don't have it all together. We confess to you, God, that we are not okay. God, we confess to you that that it's not all right in our lives. And, Lord, we repent, Lord, of our sins. Lord, we confess them to you, God, we turn away from those things, and we turn towards you. And, God, we do it immediately. God, you're a God of action and you're requiring and asking of us that we would turn to you. And so God, we do this to you. Lord, we repent. In your own way, I just wanna encourage you, whatever it is, just very softly, um, just say, God, I repent of this action. Whatever it is, God, I repent of this attitude. I repent, God, of my failure. I repent, God, of my selfishness. Lord, I repent. Father, I thank you for this congregation. And Lord, as you have uh, really prepared us, Lord, in a season that has uh, been about 10 months now uh, leading up to this new year, God, I believe that you are up to something brand new among us. And so God, as this year starts out, Lord, I thank you that you started out with a call to us to take our passions, Lord, and to lay them at your feet. God, let it be that 2021 is that year that, God, it's a year of repentance, a year of humility, Lord, before you, and that, God, you're gonna take our lives. You're gonna use them for your glory and for your honor. Lead us to people that don't know you. God, lead us to people that have similar passions as ours so that we can become fishers of people to lead them to this kingdom of God, Lord, that they can be rescued themselves and brought into this new kingdom. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Lord. I pray your blessing upon your people. Lord, as you leave from here, help us to represent you well. And God, help us to respond to you immediately because you're a God of action. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, Don't forget, sign up stuff out in the uh, lobby for Wednesday nights, which is online and in person. And also this Wednesday night for worship night. We'll see you then. God bless you.